Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. I don't know how many times I've heard someone say, Paul Lucas is my favorite preacher. God seemed to give him a unique gift of being able to connect with audiences, and connect he did. This sermon was preached at Seabreeze Camp Meeting in Hobe Sound, Florida in 1995. It's a very serious message, and it's titled, Grieve Not the Spirit of God. I know you're going to enjoy this wonderful sermon. Thank you for inviting me. I've told several, I don't know why, that I am here with the evangelists that you have. I'm supposed to be in Grounds, Michigan, but the pastor that slated me has passed away, and the other pastor didn't have the record, or he had it and didn't realize it. And I'd already give this to someone else, and Brother French called, and I really didn't want to come, because I'm... I'm not a professional evangelist. I, I've got, if God doesn't help me, I'm a poor preacher. I heard Dr. Taylor preach last night, and I've dreaded all day to try to follow that. But my brothers called me, and they wanted me to come. One of them is, is not saved. And I don't know why... Thought maybe this could be the night. So I'm here. And I think I had preached to Brother Pierpoint's mother last November. After the service, I walked back. She looked at me and she says, You're old. I said, Sister Pierpoint, you, she raised her cane, says, Don't you dare to say it. I didn't say it. But thank you, Brother French, you ministers, for having me. Would you stand while we pray? Blessed Jesus, it's us again. Asking thee for that anointing that only you can give a preacher. As a judgment-bound preacher facing a judgment-bound audience, I pray that you'll anoint each heart to hear thy word. 
Take glory to your wonderful name, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When Brother French called me, this message came to my heart. It's a message I don't like to preach. According to my records, I preached this one time in the year of 1994. Preached it once in 93. So it's not one of my favorite messages. But I felt led of the Holy Spirit to preach to you this message tonight, if he'll help me. One verse of scripture found in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Now, if I had the time, I would go into the age of inception, the age of conception, the human promise. Thank God for the promise. When Lucifer and the third of the angels was cast out of heaven, there was never any plan made where they could ever be redeemed. But when man fell in the garden, God came back with the first promise, Genesis 3.15, where he said, The seed of a woman shall bruise the serpent's head. The age of law, the age of son, the age of grace, and the age of ages which is to come. Now when you talk about a message of this type, I I want to state very firmly that I do not know what the sin against the Holy Ghost is. I believe there is a sin unto death because the Bible says they are. But I don't know just what that sin is. I know that King Saul, the only thing he did was he disobeyed God. Samuel told him what to do and he went down and he spared Agag and the fat cattle and came back and said to Samuel, I have performed the commandment of God. And about that time, an ox raised its head Load and the sheep begin to bleat. He said, if thou hast performed the commandments of God, what is the meaning of the lowing of the oxen and the bleeding of the sheep? He said, I've saved some for sacrifice. And Samuel said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Ananias and Sapphira kept back part of the price. King Agrippa says almost, but he never, we have no record he ever felt that way again. And so, I, and the Lord said in Genesis 6, 3, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Now I want to talk to you tonight, if the Lord will help us, about three classes of people that's grieving the Holy Spirit. The first class is people who have been saved and sanctified and live for God, but Christ no longer rules in their life. They have drifted, and they grieve God. So sometimes I wonder 
if part of the punishment to a backslider in eternity would be to look across that great gulf and say, my God, one day I had a title to one of those mansions. One day my name was written in that book, but I disobeyed God. Ladies and gentlemen, that'll be a sad day. And I think if hell will be hot for anyone, it'll be a backslider. I lost God out of my life, the tragedy of my life. I was innocent and I proved I was. But some way they wanted to get rid of me and they succeeded. But God didn't let me down. I let God down. I lived three and a half years thinking that I'd crossed the deadline. There's no hope for me. But one glorious day, I heard the voice of God. And I said, yes. And let me tell you this, if you're here tonight and you're backslidden in your heart, come on back home. He'll take you back. Thank God forever. He said he's married to the backslider. Return unto me and I'll return unto you and love you freely and remember your backslidings against you no more. The second class of people I want you to notice is people who are saved but they are not sanctified holy and they don't seem to be doing anything about it. When I was a boy, of course, I was raised in the church. My father preached 71 years. My mother always told me, she said, son, you went to church nine months before you was born every time the doors was open. So I, I was born and raised in the church. And I, and I can remember when people really got converted, it wasn't long and then they were seeking hard purity. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I believe that we need a revival in the holiness movement uh, to get back that we're, we're dead to one another and dead to sin uh, and uh, all of this fussing uh, and fighting and all of this agitation amongst us will be gone uh, if we can get our people sanctified holy. Praise God. I wonder tonight, A.M. Hills asked old W.B. Godby, asked him, said, Dr. Godby, how many people in the holiness movement do you think are genuinely sanctified? This was back in the 30s. And old Dr. Godby says, I judge no man, but I would be tremendously surprised if 15% of our people were sanctified holy. I wonder, I wonder about that. If that was right then, how many of us? Amen. I believe that heart purity will make you love everybody. Praise God forever. I believe it will make you get along with people that doesn't agree with you. I was raised up in the church when they were the most radical. And they never had the trouble that we're having now because they were sweet in their soul. Praise God. I know that some preachers, they wouldn't stand for something. But I, it was two years ago, I had a fellow to walk up on the platform with a ruler and wanted to know how wide my tie was. 
And I said, Brother, how wide are they supposed to be? I've got it. I've collected ties for 55 years. I've got all sizes. <laughs> I've got them from six inches down to the, your little finger. Yes, I do. I, I would, my, I've got more ties than a lot of stores have. I've just collected them, that's all. Amen. But oh, if God would only help us to get to the place that where that by, Jesus said, by this all men shall know that you are my disciples. People who are not sanctified. I've heard my father tell this so many times. He knew John D. Hadfield. And uh, Uncle Bud Robinson said that John D. Hadfield could preach longer and louder and shout more and get more people to a six o'clock prayer meeting than anybody in the world. Bud Robinson said there was no tabernacle that he's ever been in that John D. Hadfield couldn't fill at six o'clock in the morning. What a preacher. But John D. Hadfield, three years ago, I was in Greenfield, Indiana, to the John D. Hadfield camp. And the president, Brother Buchet, said, I think I knew the house, I know the house where John D. lived. And he took me, and I got out and walked around. There wasn't anybody home. There's a little shed in the back, and I've often wondered if that's it. And I go back next year if Jesus tarries and I'll find out. But dad always said that John D. would tell about how God sanctified him. Said the Methodist church started a revival. When he moved into Greenfield, he and his wife, they'd been gone for some time. They started a revival and they went and both got gloriously saved. Said about a week later, why the preacher started preaching holiness. And said we started seeking John Lee said, this night we both got sanctified. Said, we were rejoicing. Said, two or three days later, I was out milking the old cow. And just as I got through milking, she elevated her hind leg and kicked me bucket and stool completely over. Said, I grabbed that three-legged stool and knocked one of the horns off the cow. Said, my wife peeped around the barn and said, John D., you don't have the blessing." He said, I'll get it. He said, I went back to the altar the next night. Said, and I got through, I went back to my wife. Said, I thought I had it before, but said, I've really got it now. Said, she just kind of shrugged her shoulder. She didn't say it, but he said, I could read it in her mind. She said, well, John T., we'll wait and see. Said, things went along good. Said, for about a week, two weeks. Said, this revival went nine weeks. Said, I was out milking that old cow again, a humming and singing. I thought I was over in Canaan. Said, just as I got through, she did the same thing. Kicked me bucket and stool over. Said, I grabbed that stool and knocked the other horn off. (laughs) My wife peeped around the barn and said, John D., you don't have the blessing. He said, I'll get it. Said, I went back to the altar and said, this time I thought I really had it. Said, I told my wife. She said nothing. Said, and about a week later, why, I called her and I said, Mother, get ready now. We've, we're going to be late for church. Said, she come to the top of the stairs and said, John D., please don't rush me. I'm having a hard time today. 
This is the third dress I've had on. The others had rips in them. I, I can't get my hair fixed. Please be patient. He waited two or three minutes longer and he went back and he said, I'm waiting another minute. If you're not here, I'm leaving. I think the Lord made women slow, especially for us men. I often said, I believe I had the slowest wife of any man that ever lived. We had three girls and a boy. My wife was slow. She couldn't get herself and the four kids ready for church while I was getting ready. She's too slow. (laughs) Now, I have family here tonight. I have two brothers and a sister here, and they know I helped, and I did. So he went back and he said, I'm leaving in a minute. He waited two or three, and he went said they were, had the song service, the prayer. We lived about a mile from the church. said, just as the preacher stood up and started preaching, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord, faithful as he called it you, who also will do it. And said, just then my wife walked in and sat down next to me reached over and patted me on my leg. She looked up at me and she said, John D., I love you. She said, I sit there and I said, Lord, I'll have that experience or I'll bleach my bones at this mourner's bench. Said, when the preacher got through, said, I put my arms around my wife and asked her to forgive me. And I said, you take the buggy and go on home. She said, no, John T., I'll be here as long as you are. He said, that night I felt the cleansing stream. You know, I think sometimes that we're, we're seeking more of an emotional stare than we are a cleansing. Amen. He said, that night I felt the cleansing stream. Thank God. Said, I never said anything. I hugged my wife and I said, praise God. The cleansing stream, I see, I see. Hallelujah. Said, I knew the blessed Holy Ghost abides. Said, about a week later, said, I was out milking that old cow a humming and a singing and a praising God. And just as I got through, she got her leg underneath that bucket and just kicked that thing straight up in the air. When it went as high as it would, it turned over and all that milk came down on my head and the bucket came down and stopped on my shoulders. Said I took the bucket and set it down. I reached in my pocket and got my handkerchief and began to wipe my face off. I took my hat and hit it against my leg and said I walked around where that old cow was uh, her head uh, said I looked at her and I put my arm around her neck and said bossy I've treated you terrible uh, said in the summer when you'd switch your tail to get the flies off of your back uh, sometimes you'd hit me in the face with it and I'd bury my fist uh, up to my elbow on your side uh, I've knocked both of your horns off uh, this morning I want you to forgive me uh, I'll never treat you mean again uh, said sister Hatfield stuck her head around the barn 
born and said, John T., I believe to my soul you've got the blessing. Hallelujah to God. Ladies and gentlemen, we need a revival of old-fashioned holiness of heart in our churches. Thank God forever. This spirit that has divided us will be gone. We need a revival of holiness of heart. Hallelujah. The last time I preached to my mother, I preached on holiness in my father's church. When I gave the altar call, I looked up and the first one at the altar was my mother. I walked down to where mother was kneeling and I knelt down before before and I said, Mother, what in the world are you doing here? She said, Paul, if I miss heaven, I've missed everything. She said, I was saved when I was a girl. I've never went the way of the world. I've always dressed modest. I've never been worldly in any way. Now, if I miss heaven, I haven't enjoyed the things of the world. I won't enjoy the things of eternity. And there's been times I felt maybe a little stir in my heart when there'd been trouble in the church. And I just talked to the Lord and told him that if there's anything there that's displeasing to him to take it out, purify my soul, I want to make it true. One Sunday later, she went to church, come home and got a big meal. Went into the piano and sang, it is well with my soul. Went upstairs and called my father, come quick. Dad said, I took two or three steps at a time and got up there in the middle of the floor. She was standing and said, Lord, don't let me go hard, just let me go easy. Slumped in his arms and was gone. I wonder, would she have been ready if she hadn't minded God? Five years ago, I was in Troy, Ohio, in a revival meeting, and a, two elderly gentlemen, preachers, some of you old pilgrim holiness people will know this name, William Pratt. He and his father ran a home where wayward girls in Terry Holt, Indiana. I knew his father and him also. And this old brother, Oyer, By the way, Brother Pratt is still living. He's 102 years old. But when I gave the altar call, these two elderly preachers, both of them came to the altar. And Brother Pratt said, I just wanted to come up and have prayer, Brother Lucas. I said, well, you lead us, Brother Pratt. I went to old Brother Oyer. He was a brethren in Christ, had a full beard, wore no tie, beautiful smile on his face and I said brother Oyer can I help you he looked at me and he said brother Lucas I am so near the end of the journey I just want to tell the Lord if I'm not doing whatever he wants me to it's because of my ignorance that I'm willing to do whatever he wants me to do and that's why I'm here praying and his wife same age she said brother Lucas I'm 97 years old and I've served Jesus for 90 years. 
And I don't want to miss spending eternity with him. So I'm just talking to him. Every night, Dr. Taylor, that I gave an altar call, that old couple was at the altar. And he'd say, well, I'm so near the end of the journey. And he'd just hold his hands and the tears would flow down his beard. And he'd say, oh, Jesus, I'm all yours. Thou art the potter and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after your will. While I'm waiting, yielded and still. The meeting closed on Sunday. Wednesday morning, they had their devotions. And they were sitting in their easy chair. He looked across the room and he said, Mother, did you turn the radio on? She said, no. She said, where is that music coming from? But she said, I I don't hear any music. Oh, yes, said, I never heard. Said, why, said, it's getting louder. You hear it now, don't you? She said, no, I don't hear. Why, he said, I see Jesus. He's coming after me and slumped in his chair. I, I, I wonder, would he have been ready if he hadn't minded God? On Tuesday, on Thursday, Brother Rice, the pastor, and his wife went to the funeral home with her. They'd outlived all their family. They were standing at the casket, and she looked at him and said, You know, if he was sitting in his easy chair, I would declare he's just asleeping. Said, Look at it. That's the way he smiled when he said, Praise God, I see Jesus. That smile's never left his face. She looked around at Sister Rice and said, did they turn the record player on? She said, no, there's no music. She said, yes, I, I hear music. Said, I, oh, it's heavenly music. Why, she said, I see Jesus. I'm going home too. And brother and sister Rice caught her before she hit the floor. And they prolonged his funeral, put it off for a day. They had both of their funerals together. But I wonder, would they have been ready uh, if they hadn't minded God? Uh, Oh, God, give us a revival uh, where our people will tarry uh, till they're being endued with power from on high, uh, where this thing will be taken out of their lives. Uh, And I believe that we're grieving the Holy Spirit by not seeking holiness with all of our hearts help us Lord to see it help us to see it the third class of people that's grieving the Holy Spirit is people who are not saved but they know exactly what they ought to do I thought this afternoon when I heard the missionaries I sat back there in my heart and I thought, oh God, how hungry people are to know you and how so many in this country that has the opportunity, but they're not doing anything about it. Grieving God. When we turn down the Holy Spirit, there'll never be another means of grace because the Trinity has exhausted itself. God walked with man. They sinned. He sent his son in the world. They crucified him. He sent the third part of the Trinity and he said all they can do to him is grieving. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. When I felt God wanted me to preach this message, something happened in my life that I've never gotten over it. When I was a pastor... One Sunday night, 
I was preaching on hell to the best of my ability. I was talking about the darkness, eternal darkness. I've had so many people that say, well, if I go to hell, I'll have plenty of company. That's where all my friends are going. But Jesus said they'd be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That doesn't sound to me like friendship. I was down about here preaching on hell and I was talking about what it means to be lost, eternally lost. After we sing when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. But my God, those people that are in hell, they've no less days to burn and blister and sizzle in the eternal black liquid flames of damnation, never to be quenched the fire, never to be put out. And as long as an eternal God sits on an eternal throne, they'll burn in the devil's hell. And I was preaching on that line as hard as I could. And all at once, the Spirit... This hasn't happened to me too many times, maybe less than a half a dozen in my life, that I felt the Holy Ghost tell me, he said, somebody in this audience will be dead and buried and in hell and the flowers will be withered on their grave before you mount that pulpit next Sunday night. When that come to me, I closed my Bible and I ran back to the desk and I looked at my notes. They, they looked like these Greek to me. I, I could, and I said, Lord, what is this? And I said, that's a, an impression. I just got through reading Martin Wells Knapp's book on impressions. I, I've read that probably 20 times. So I said, Lord, help me. And I started preaching again. And I got down in front again. And the Spirit said, somebody here will be dead, buried, and in hell. And the flowers will be withered on their grave before you mount that pulpit next Sunday night. And after three times, I came back trembling. And I said, folks, I believe I've got a message from God. I believe the Holy Ghost has spoke to me that somebody in this audience will be dead, will be dead and buried and in hell and the flowers will be withered on their grave before I mount that pulpit next Sunday night. The altar in the front seats was lined with seekers. I, I didn't have... The burden never lifted off of my heart. We got home, my wife said, Paul, I want to talk to you. And I said, all right. She said, let me get the children something to eat. And she did. She came in my study and she said, Paul, I wouldn't say anything that would affect your ministry. But said, do you know what you said tonight? I said, yes. She said, Paul, you said somebody would be dead, buried and in hell, and the flowers would be withered on their grave before the service next Sunday night. Is that what you meant to say? I said, yes. She said, now, Paul said, we're not evangelists anymore. 
We're pastors. And pastors can't make those broad statements. They're going to face the same people. I said, did you know you'll face the same people next Sunday night? I said, yes. She said, what are you going to do if it doesn't happen? I said, I'm going to shout. I'm going to praise God because I'm going to start praying now that God will stay his hand. And I'd rather for people to think something like that about me than to have somebody to be lost. I said, Violet, will you ask God to pray with Will you pray with me and ask God to stay his hand? She said, well, if you want to. But she said, I, I just, all I've said is for your benefit. I said, Violet, it was God. I said, let's pray now. And just as we started to pray, the phone rang. The chairman of my board said, Brother Lucas, can you come to the hospital at once? I said, yes. I said, what's wrong? He said, Jim was hit by train. Please come. And we got a lady to stay with the children. We went out to the hospital. I met the doctor and the doctor said, Reverend, there's one thing you can thank God for. He never knew what hit him. I said, does anybody know what happened? They said, his girlfriend's out there. And I went, there said a little 17-year-old girl. She looked like a zombie. I said, they say, you want to talk to me? Do you want to talk to me? She said, yes. My wife put her arm around her and we went off into a room. She said, Brother Lucas, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. She said, is Jim dead? I said, yes. Oh, God. Said, Brother Lucas, we went out to the car and he reached under the seat and got a bottle. Took the cap off and took a swig of it, put the cap back on, put the bottle under his seat. He said, you know where we're going next Sunday night? She said, nowhere. Said, we're coming to this church. Said, I looked that crowd over. If somebody's not dead and buried and in hell, said, I'm going to walk down that middle aisle and walk up to that pulpit and say, we've got a preacher in this church that's a D-A-M-N liar. I'll say it publicly, regardless of what anyone says. And I looked at my watch and thought, exactly one hour and 17 minutes after that statement was made, it came true. It came true. I said to the girl, how did it happen? She said, we were driving and I saw the train I said, Jim, you can't make it. He said, yes, I can. And he put the accelerator down. I said, my God, Jim, you can't. And said, that's the last I remember till I woke up here. I seemed to be all right. I preached this funeral, Brother Taylor. I thought my heart would break. Sunday night came. I said to my wife, have Brother Miller to take the service. I'll be back in time to preach. But the pier point, I drove out to that cemetery. I walked over and there was four bouquets on his grave. And I looked at every flower. I never missed one to my knowledge. I looked at every flower. There wasn't a flower that wasn't withered. I knelt down at the foot of that grave. The reason I... I don't like to tell this. I don't sleep for a night or two after I tell it. It stirs me like nothing's ever happened. I knelt at the foot of that grave and I thought my heart would come out. I said, oh God, could I have preached anything to reach him? 
Oh God, did I leave something out? Could I have said something more to have reached him? Oh God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And all afternoon I've prayed. I know I'm preaching to people. I can't reach you. You've already got it settled. You've made up your mind. I can't reach you. I could preach till I fall over, but you've settled it in your heart. You're not going to mind God tonight. While I was praying and agonizing with God, I felt an arm go around each shoulder and I looked and there was that boy's mother and father. They said, Brother Lucas, that's not your fault. Said, don't blame yourself. You preach God's message. Uh, you preach God's message. I don't know what it would have taken uh, to have reached him. Uh, but we went back to the church. And as I walked down that middle aisle, uh, I said, my God, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's not a flower on Jim's uh, grave uh, that isn't wielded. Every flower is wielded. Uh, and I think, oh God, uh, every time I preach along this line, uh, who am I preaching to? Uh, that's a grieve in the Holy Ghost, the last time they'll ever grieve him will you stand without any hesitation without any singing or pleading I want everyone in this tabernacle tonight that you've got a need. You've got a spiritual need. You'll come and have prayer with me. Would you do it right now? They're coming. I want you to move from all over this tabernacle. I want you to come. Amen. I want you to come now. Would you do it? Don't grieve God by waiting. Let's come now. Let's come now. Let's come now. They're coming. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's don't wait. Don't grieve God. Would you come now? Would you come now? Would you come now? In the name of Jesus, would you come now? And grieve not, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. I, I often think, I often think, preachers, you, if one of us could go down and preach a simple message on the doorsteps of hell, we could absolutely empty out hell with one sermon. One sermon, we'd empty out hell. Thank God they're still coming. Come on. From all over the place, without any singing, without any pleading, without any begging, would you just come now? Would you come now? Yes, just, just press your way out. Just press your way out and let's seek God while he may be found and call upon him while he's near. Praise God forevermore. He's here. He's here. He wants to do it now if you'll let him. If you'll let him. Yes, we're waiting on you. They're coming. They're coming from the back. That's it. Come on, please. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you come? Would you let me have one prayer with you? Would you let me have one prayer with you tonight? Let's don't wait. Let's don't wait. Has everybody minded God that's going to mind him? We're ready to go to prayer. Has everybody minded God that's going to mind him? If they have, we're ready to go to prayer. I see some still coming. Come on, come on, will you come? Will you come now? Will you come now? Amen. Yes, yes. 
Brother Pierpoint, please come here and show them they can kneel at the front seat. Hey, man, there's plenty of room at the front seat. Come on. Come on. They're still coming. Hey, man, help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, over here where Dr. Taylor is, there's room for someone to kneel. They're still coming. They're still coming. Thank God they're still coming. They're still coming. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Brother Stadler and Dr. Taylor, these souls that are here tonight, it's because of your faithfulness doing this camp. I have very little to do with this. It belongs to you. But I, I, I want to wait just another moment for you. I, I feel like there's others that ought to come. Would you come now? Would you walk right out for one prayer? Oh, blessed Jesus, help them to mind God. Just help them to mind God. Will you come? Will you come? Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. I'm going to wait one minute by my watch, and if we don't have a moving of the Spirit, we'll go to prayer. But my heart's still heavy. I'll ask Jesus most of this night if I left something out he wanted me to say. If I should have preached something. The minute begins right now. 60 seconds, if you don't mind God. I wish everybody in this tabernacle that's got a need, you just mind God right now. Will you do it? Just mind God right now. If you're unable to kneel, just come right on this front seat and sit down. That'll be fine. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Brother Francis. Yes. Thank God that's it. That's it. Yes. If you're unable to kneel, come to these chairs right here where Dr. Taylor is, and you can sit in there and we'll pray with you. Will the rest of you mind God that God's speaking to? Will you mind God? Would you let me have one prayer with you tonight? Would you let me have one prayer with you tonight? Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Yes. I have to leave in the morning and preach tomorrow night in Kentucky, but I'd like to pray with you before I leave. Would you come? Would you come and let me have one prayer with you? Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Do you want to say anything, Brother French, Dr. Taylor? Brother Statler, do you want to say anything? Let me get rid of this burden. I'm going to wait 30 seconds and we'll go to prayer. 30 seconds. You'll hear this ticking off through the ceaseless ages of God's eternity. But while we wait this 30 minutes, will everyone in this tabernacle that's got a need, will you get right out and come in unison? 
I wished all over this tabernacle, we'd just come right now. Will you do it? It begins right now. 30 seconds. Come on, everybody from all over this tabernacle. They're coming. I see them. I see them. I see you coming. Yes, God bless you. Come right on. Come right on. We'll make room for you to kneel. We'll make room for you. There's some chairs right here that you can kneel by. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Will you help us, blessed Jesus? Will you help us? Will you help us? Thank you, brethren. Thank you. They're still coming. Thank you. Come on, from all over the tabernacle. Let's mind God. Folks, the rapture's the next thing on God's calendar. He's coming. Let's be ready. Are you raptured ready tonight? Are you ready for the rapture? I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17